it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? There's an HOA in the neighborhood, an HOA for the neighbors. From time to time, they keep us in line. Blah, blah, blah. You know the rest of the song. Okay, so um, welcome, everybody. I'm so glad to be in the neighborhood with you here today. In fact, on my drive home, I heard this great song on the radio, I Can Get By With a Little Help From My Friends. I wish I could have shared it with you. It's like a live version with lots of energy. Good stuff. Um, but uh, this has been an interesting uh, journey for me with you. Over the past few weeks, I've been sharing some of my experiences with the Lakewood HOA that I've been having. And in a moment of weakness, last week, I wrote a coded letter uh, to the HOA sharing my, some of my thoughts about their laws and regulations. <laughs> that wasn't my best idea ever uh, to do that because apparently they're having a, a meeting this week. Uh, actually, right now, uh, the HOA is meeting to talk about um, my involvement here in the community and, and as a neighbor here. So a little bit nervous about that, but uh, I don't get to attend uh, because it's about me. But some good news is that you can all find out what's happening at the meeting of our wonderful HOA. Uh, Mr. McNasty is the uh, um, is residing at the meeting. He'll be taking care of that. And so uh, the good news is that we have a trolley that's going to take you all to HOA land uh, so that you can uh, see what happens in the meeting in in the meantime, I'm going to go outside and blow the leaves in my yard as a good neighbor should. And so it's been good to see you today. Remember, you are all special. And we'll see you next time. Bye, neighbors. Good morning and welcome to the quarterly meeting of the Lakewood HOA. I am your you duly elected it, dictator, you guys chairman. It. Mr. McNasty. Oh, Mr. Wormwood, it's nice to see you. I see you're keeping your record of perfect attendance intact. Our first order of business. My object. What are you objecting to? In accordance with Chapter 67, Article 26, Section 28, Paragraph 13, Line 72, any member in good standing may demand immediate action against another neighbor who has violated the general code of conduct for good neighborliness and community well-being. Uh, I see. That's a very serious accusation. I presume you have evidence. You bet your shih tzu I do. I trimmed my trees like the good neighbor I am, and the foliage blew into their backyard. I would like to submit this video from my security cameras as evidence that it took him three days to clean up. Violation recorded. While we're on the subject of this particular house, we need to address this letter we received from the owner, Mr. Fuller. You mean the one with all those? Numbers? I thought it was all gibberish. So did I, until I took it to my good friend, Mr. Enigma at the CIA, who specializes in code breaking. What does it mean? Well, I'll tell you. <gasps> oh. Oh, my. <gasps> Something must be done. You haven't heard the worst of it yet. What could be worse? Last night. While moonbathing, 
I overheard their TV playing the NHL Finals. <gasps> no. Do you think he's... Oh, dear. I don't just think it. I know it. He is Canadian. <gasps> I've heard enough. Such wanton disregard for the good of the community must be dealt with harshly. All in favor of evicting Mr. Fuller, say aye. 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 All opposed? The motion passes. Mr. Fuller will be given 14 days to remove himself from our neighborhood or else face demolition by dynamite. Well, good morning, everybody. If, if, if you're new and this is your first time <laughs> and you're a little bit confused, let me just say I, I get it. I totally understand, and I'm half sorry about that. But, uh, but I'm fully thankful uh, that you are here. What we're trying to do is have a little bit of fun while we look at a command of Jesus for us to love our neighbor as ourself. And so what does it mean to be a good neighbor? What does it mean for us to love our neighbors? Um, before I jump into that, I have a pretty interesting uh, encounter that I want to share with you. Last week, somebody came up to me after the service and came up and told me his name and introduced himself as the current president of the Lakewood HOA. <laughs> True story, the real Mr. McNasty came forward. And uh, after I stopped laughing, uh, I did. I, I just kept on, I just couldn't stop laughing and, uh, and he wasn't. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, we were talking for a little bit. He has been coming here for a while and so he was a good sport about it and he knows we're just, we're just mostly kidding. We're just kidding. We're just having fun with this. And so, man, I love this place. So uh, I also love that there have been some great stories that I've heard from some of you who have been taking this series seriously and have responded to it and have been good neighbors. And I've very much enjoyed hearing those stories. Uh, last week, I talked about looking for opportunities to be inconvenienced. And a woman that I never met, I never, I just heard about the story, but she, apparently she pulled up on Monday morning to the church. She said she felt prompted to be inconvenienced that day. And so she walked into the lobby and said, is there anything you guys need? Is there anything I can help with? Anything you need? What a great question. So the receptionist said, you know, we have best week ever coming up this upcoming week where we're going to love on kids for a week and have a great experience with kids. And what we don't have is snacks for all the volunteers who are going to be here. She said, got it. No problem. She took off, went to Costco, came back with piles of boxes of crackers and cookies and snacks and all sorts of things. It was fantastic. We've enjoyed them a lot this week as a staff. No, no, we haven't touched them. We haven't touched them. But what a great thing. I just love that people are saying, what can I do to be a good neighbor? And I know there are many other stories out there. Let me tell you, I would love to hear them. I would love to hear your good neighbor stories. If you could send them to my email address, afuller at mountainpark.org, I would love to hear them. If you have any complaints, it's, uh, it's uh, jamarongan at mountainpark.org. Uh, that's where you send the complaints. So, uh, so um, uh, I know that you have 
uh, good stories about you being a good neighbor or about someone being a good neighbor to you. And I would love to hear them if you get the time to share them. As we head into the message here today, would you bow your heads with me? Father, I'm thankful for our communities that we represent. I'm thankful that um, we are learning together how to be neighbors. Um, I'm thankful that uh, we have the opportunity to not only love others, but to be loved by others. And so, God, I pray that you would be honored in our conversation today as uh, we, would, we hear from you in the process of becoming the men and women that you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All we are doing with this series is looking at one of the most famous stories that Jesus tells. He tells a story of the Good Samaritan, a story that all of us on some level are familiar with. And what we're doing is we're walking through over five weeks, looking at five different characters in this story to just see the number of levels that this story goes to and the ways that all works out. So just by recap, in week one, we looked at the expert in the law, the one who prompted Jesus to tell the story, who basically is trying to, to catch Jesus, trying to trip Jesus up and, and asks, what does it take for me to experience eternity? What does it take? What do I need to do? What, what, what does this all look like? And then in week two, we looked at the priest and the Levite who avoided the half-dead man on the side of the road and walked across the street and walked past him because they were too busy. They had too many things going on or they were fearful of what it might mean, what kind of impact it might mean for them. Last week, we looked at the Good Samaritan himself who was willing to be inconvenienced significantly in order to help the half-dead man lying on the side of the road. Now, I'm confident that Everyone here in this room could identify with at least one of those characters over those three weeks. That maybe more than one at certain times in life, you can relate to one of those three. When we read a story of Jesus, it's always wise for us to ask ourselves, who am I in this story? So you read and there are multiple characters in there and you say, okay, who, God, are you challenging me to, to consider myself as in this story? And it might be a different person at different times that you're reading it. But you read a story of Jesus and you say, who am I in this story? And again, I think you could relate to all three of those characters we've been looking at. But today I want to look at the victim. I want to look at the one who was lying half dead on the side of the road. Have you ever considered in reading this story that you are the victim lying on the side of the road? Let's jump back to the beginning of the story and revisit what happens here. Verse 30 of Luke chapter 10. In reply to the expert in the law, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. These robbers, they did not just steal from the man. I mean, they brutally attacked him. It was a... It was a a hyperbole kind of experience. They didn't just take from him. They ripped his clothes off of him. They left him bleeding, half dead, on the side of the road. So let me ask you, have you ever felt, or do you feel now as if you're just bleeding, half dead, on the side of the road? Have you ever felt like you have been 
beat up by the circumstances of, the, of life or the consequences of your sin or the reality of decisions by those around you who have impacted you, the pain and the hurt of others? Have you ever felt like you are bleeding on the side of the road? Have you ever felt the, the pain of the priest and the Levite who are supposed to help you, who don't help you and walk across the other street, walk to the other side of the road and walk past you? Have you ever felt the, the, the relief or just the, consider the idea, the relief of the Samaritan, the one who was supposed to be an enemy, as I talked about last week, who actually shows kindness to you and shows some relief to you? Have you ever felt like you were the wounded traveler on the road of life? This week, I have felt like a wounded traveler on the road of life. About a year and a half ago, for those of you who were here, I shared that I have some hearing loss that I'm having to deal with, and I have some sort of autoimmune disease that's going on, and it has rendered my right ear deaf, so I cannot hear at all in my right ear, and so everything has been trying to work on my left ear. If I, if I come up, if somebody comes up and talks with me up front, and they go to my right, right ear, I have to shift, shift over because I can't hear anything on my right side, and so everything has been leaning on my left side, but for the past uh, three or four weeks or so, my hearing has struggled on my left side, and it feels like I'm underwater, and I'm really kind of struggling with that. And so I went uh, back to the doctor to get it checked out, and he gave me the bad news that it looks like my left ear is starting to go down the path of my right ear, uh, that it's uh, starting to uh, deteriorate. I have some sort of rare and incurable uh, disease that is, that is impacting me in that way. Um, he said that a, there's one last ditch effort to pump it with steroids to see if we can kind of revitalize my left ear. And so I'm full of steroids right now. You could probably tell. You could probably, <laughs> just a quick look. Um, but I, uh, what he did there, I just went in to kind of get a, a check on it. And he kind of laid me at 45 degree angle on, the, on the, the bed there. And he took a syringe with steroids, liquid steroids, and uh, put it into my ear, punctured my eardrum, and then injected it into my middle ear. That was a lot of fun. So I'm lying there, and my one good ear is filled with fluid, so I can't hear anything. And the doctor leaves, and I'm alone, and just, just kind of reeling with the reality of what's going on. And, and he said the pain would go away in about four or five hours. It's just a very sensitive part of your lots of nerve endings, et cetera. And I'm literally, there's a tear coming down my, 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 from my eye, and I just feel like I am lying half dead, um, lying down half dead on the side of the road. Now, there, there are some advantages to hearing loss, just so you know. Um, you know, for those of you who struggle with those sounds in your car when you're driving, you think, that is so frustrating, I wish I could do something with that sound. Well, those don't bother me anymore. <laughs> Some benefit to that. Uh, I used to have noises here in this room that were really difficult for me to, to pursue through. And um, so sometimes people will come up and they say, Alan, how did you do it this Sunday? How, how did you plow through and stay focused when that baby was crying or that person was doing whatever? And I say, yeah, I, I didn't hear any of it. So, so I just kind of moved forward. There's some advantages to that. Uh, but the reality is I stand before you as a wounded traveler on the journey of life. And what I've come to believe is that we're all wounded travelers on the journey of life. I mean, I got my story and you have your story. Everybody has something going on. 
It's what we have here in common. Regardless of your spiritual background, your church background, your faith background, we all have something going on, whether it has to do with you or someone you care about. There is a stress about the future, a stress about your education, about your vocation. There's the reality of a child who has wandered in some way, spiritually or emotionally. There's the pain of a marriage that is not what you hoped it would be, and it has become dry, and you want to breathe life into that marriage, and and it's so dry that it's actually brittle. You feel it might just break at any time. Or maybe it's the reality of some health issue for you or someone you care about that is debilitating and is having a very negative impact on your journey, on your life, on the trajectory of your life that you hoped it would be. Or maybe it's, it's the pain of a loss of a loved one. Just the whole idea of waking up in the morning and then being reminded once again that he or she is not there anymore. Or actually waking up some mornings and not thinking about him or her and then feeling guilty about it. We're all wounded travelers. We're all in some way broken people, lying on the side of the road, desperately in need of help. Why? Why why is that the common human condition? Because the robber, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus in John chapter 10, that's how he refers to Satan. He refers to Satan as the one who steals, kills, and destroys. If you and I are the wounded traveler in this story, then the robber, the one who is hiding in the rocky caves along the path from Jerusalem to Jericho, the robber is Satan. And he is ruthless. He shows no mercy, no compassion whatsoever to children, to the poor, to those who are in great need, to those who are great people who do great things for their neighbors in sacrificial ways. The enemy, the thief, just comes to steal, kill, and destroy without mercy. And he doesn't just steal a little bit and take what he needs and then moves on. He comes and rips our, our clothing off of us and leaves us bleeding on the side of the road. Kill and destroy. No mercy. That's the robber in this story. If you and I are the wounded traveler, then the priest and the Levite, we talked about two weeks ago, they are the law. The law from the Old Testament, these 600-some laws and precepts on how to do life, they are true, and they are wise, and they are right, but they show no mercy. The law shows no compassion. The law draws a line and says, here's what it means to be righteous. And if you cannot stay within the boundaries of that line, we are going to walk past you. The law shows no compassion. It's true and it's right, but it shows no mercy. And it's not there to help. It's there to just draw a line. Or even worse, the priest and the the Levite could be the church. Sometimes 
we're wounded in life, and this could be your story that you haven't been in church for a while, or you have a story connected with church where the church did not handle your woundedness very well, that the church was judgmental. The church was responding in an unloving way or an unkind way. The church walked to the other side of the road and just pointed at you and was not helpful. I know the reality that that happens a lot, that the church does not handle situations well. It happens many times. And I just wanna say, as a representative of the church, on behalf of the church, I wanna say, I am so sorry if that has happened to you. I'm so sorry if that's your story. If you are here now and you haven't been in church for a while, because of what the church has done, the priests and the Levites in your life have done, I just wanna say that's why we're doing this series. We're doing this series because we don't want to be a church filled with priests and Levites who walk on the other side of the road. We want to be a place filled with good Samaritans who respond with love and kindness. So once again, I'm sorry. If you and I are the wounded traveler in this story, then who is the good Samaritan? In Luke chapter four, Jesus takes the scroll from Isaiah 61. He opens it up, he says, he reads it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the captives to give sight to the blind, to set the captives free. This was the start of Jesus' introduction into public ministry to say, this is who I am. He sets the scroll down and he says, that's me. Jesus is the good Samaritan. Jesus is the one who comes up to any and every wounded traveler on the side of the road and says, I will heal you. I will take care of your wounds. I will take you to the innkeeper and I will have any expenses needed for you to be taken care of put on my account. I will pay for it. I will be inconvenienced. I will give my life to pay for whatever is needed for you to be healed. Jesus is the good Samaritan. This week, in my personal reading through scripture, I'm reading through the book of Psalms. And on the day after I came back from the doctor and found out you know, what's going on, I don't know the prognosis of my ears and hearing and what that's all gonna look like, but the day after I came back from that, I was reading from Psalm 38, which I had never jumped out for me before, but it jumped out to me this week. It reads, I am like the deaf who cannot hear, like the mute who cannot speak. I have become like one who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord my God. I'm lying on the side of the road and I wait for you, Jesus. Once again, I wait for you. You're the one I need. You're the one who can help. All the other stuff, it, it, it's, it's good, it's great, but the one I really need is you. I wait 
for you, Jesus. How in this story, in the story of the Good Samaritan, how do you imagine the victim could possibly respond to the Good Samaritan who saved his life? So if you know the story, the Good Samaritan comes and takes care of him. The man would have died if the Good Samaritan had not stopped. And so the man goes in, gets taken care of at the innkeeper, etc. Once he recovers and he has an interaction with the Good Samaritan, which we don't find in the story, but what is he going to say? To a person who is supposed to be an enemy, who significantly inconvenienced himself and took care of him. What, what, what are you going to say that took care of him? He, he saved his life. He's living because of what the Good Samaritan did. What do you say? Thanks. Hey, I really appreciate it. What do you possibly say? If you and I are the wounded traveler on the side of the road, and the one, capital O, Jesus provides for us, heals us, gives us life, pays a debt that we cannot pay. It's a $10 million debt. It's not something you could possibly work off. It is a debt. Our separation from God is a debt you cannot pay by yourself. Jesus comes in and says, I will take care of it simply because I love you, not because of anything you've done. What do you possibly say to that Savior. What could you possibly say? Is thanks good enough? Hey, I really appreciate it. How do you respond to the one who gave his life so that you can have life? I want to come back to that in just a minute, but I want you to have that question bouncing around in your head. How would you respond? How do you respond? I want to pause for a moment because I, I think it's reasonable for some of you to ask, what does this have to do with being a good neighbor? I mean, that's the series, Won't You Be My Neighbor? What, what does this perspective of the victim have to be with being a good neighbor? Well, when you and I act like the good Samaritan, you and I are the hands and feet of Jesus. You, you get the connection there? Jesus is the one who brings healing. When you and I act like the Good Samaritan, we get to be used by Jesus to bring healing into the lives of wounded travelers. There was a great article in Ahwatukee Foothills News this week. I hope you had a chance to read it. It's about you. It's about your church saying that it practices what it preaches. I highly encourage you to find it, check it out, and, and uh, read this article. It basically says that you all have been and are the hands and feet of Jesus here in this community. I couldn't be prouder, I couldn't be more excited than that to be what we're known for. I mean, when you, a few weeks ago, when some of you chose to spend your time running around chasing kids and helping out kids, 150 kids who were here as a part of our uh, response to the teacher walkout, when you participate in that as a part of this community, you are the feet of Jesus. That's beautiful. When you participate in this ministry that we call Family Promise, where on a regular basis we will have homeless families in the city who will come and, and spend a week here in our church and they'll have a private room and they'll be loved on. And when you come in and you make home-cooked meals for these families and you play with their kids as a part of that experience, you are the hands of Jesus. 
When you take this idea of love your neighbor as yourself and you learn your neighbor's names and you pray for them and you go up to them and you, and you say uh, by name, you, you say hi and you say, hey, I've been, how's your mom? I've been praying for her because you knew about what was going on with your mom because you cared about them. You are the voice of Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. Sometimes I like to run around Lakewood Loop, do the jog around Lakewood Loop. And uh, this, this week I was, I was running, I was, I was on the right side of the road. I know you're supposed to be on the left, but there was some landscape work happening there. So I went on the right side uh, in the bike lane and there was a cyclist who came up behind me and came up real close to me and said, uh, sidewalk please. He said please, but he really didn't mean please. <laughs> I know that. And uh, so I've, I've been running around Lakewood Loop for a number of years, and, and there's a lot of space on the Lakewood Loop for a runner, a cyclist, and, and a car on that road. There's a lot of room there, and, and so I wasn't too, you know, um, it wasn't feeling too guilty, you know, about this. So 20 minutes later, I'm still running, and now I'm on the left side of the road, and then I see that, that he's coming around uh, now right towards me coming in the opposite direction. And so if you're familiar with the setup there, I, I, go, I go right up in that little 12 inches right by the curb. I don't hop up, but I'm over as far to the left as I possibly can. And I see he's coming towards me and he's veering to his right. He, he's, he's not interested in getting out of the way. He's veering to his right because he has a point to be made. And he comes by and I, he comes and he just misses me by an inch and I do one of these and I just miss him. And here's a man who has not yet learned how to live with other humans. This is what's, this is what's going on here. He's trying to make a point here and it's, I don't think it's a good point to make. Now I have to admit that I didn't respond perfectly well. I didn't respond exactly the way Jesus would have responded when I got uh, bumped out of the way. But let me just tell you, what this guy doesn't need is for me to be argumentative. What he doesn't need here in that moment is for me to be nasty with him. What, what's his problem? What's going on? Why is he doing that? Because he's a wounded traveler. And sir, if you're in the room here today, um, <laughs> please come up. I'd love to have a conversation with you too, and I'll talk about that next week. It'll be great. <laughs> please come up. I'd love to meet with you. I mean, he's literally a distressed traveler on the road. And so he doesn't need me to respond in a poor way. He needs me, he needs his neighbors to respond like Jesus, to be Jesus. Your wounded travelers in your life, the people in your life, your neighbors who are broken, they need you and me to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Just like we need others to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our own life. That's how it connects to this series. So let, let me go back and address those of you who may be able to relate to the wounded traveler in this story. Those of you who feel like the circumstances of life have left you beaten, half dead on the side of the road. Those of you who feel like the enemy has, has come to steal, kill, and destroy you. Those who, who feel perhaps like the priest and the Levite, the religious, religion has not taken care of you. It has not loved on you or cared for you in the way that you need to be cared for. And there's a level of frustration there. If it's true that Jesus is the good Samaritan, 
that Jesus sees you lying half dead on the side of the road and has come to heal you, to love you, to care for you, to pay debts that you can't pay yourself, if that's true, then one possible response is for you to say, I owe you everything, Jesus. If you come to rescue me, to save my life, I owe you my life. I owe you everything. I believe in you. I trust you. I have no reason not to trust you. I choose to follow you. That's what it means to be a Christian. To say, not just thanks to Jesus and what he's done for you, but to say, I'm yours. I'm fully yours. And I will spend the rest of my days following you and trying to figure out what that looks like. The band is gonna lead us in one final song. And during that song, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus today. At the end of this song, I wanna pray with any of you who want to make a decision today for Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, to be the one that you believe is the one who comes and heals and brings, brings life where no one else is. Would you stand with me? We're gonna sing this song together and then I'll pray with you at the end of it. If you all would just bow your heads, close your eyes here right where we are. And just in the next few moments, I wanna give anyone here in this room an opportunity to respond to Jesus as the Good Samaritan. I wanna pray for any wounded travelers who are in need of healing. If, if that's you today, if you want to, for the first time in your life, say, I respond to you, God, I trust you, I choose to follow you, would you pray this prayer with me here today? Lord, I am a wounded traveler. Jesus, I recognize I can't heal myself. I have tried many times. I have tried to pull myself out of the pit many times. I need you. So Jesus, I say more than thank you. I say more than I really appreciate it. I say I owe you. I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. I follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If there's anyone in the room here today who joined with me and prayed that prayer, would you do one thing? Would you tell someone? Would you come, the prayer team is gonna come up front here and they're available to pray with you about anything. But if you would come and tell one of them, tell a friend, tell me, whatever, tell someone so that June 10th doesn't just fade away, but June 10th is the beginning of a transformed life with Jesus. Would you do that? We'd love to hear from you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.